content warning talks of rape, sexual assault, racism, transphobia, and everything in between. So, welcome to HedgePod, a show where we discuss how hegemony shapes our society by reinforcing the status quo and societal norms. In the past, this has been from the per- perspective on how the ruling class reinforces cultural hegemony through the media we consume, but now would like to also add a look on how we ourselves keep the cultural hegemony going through the lens of hierarchy. This is a pickup of an episode that was split into two more parts because there is a lot to say on Harry Potter when it comes to hegemony and hierarchy and all of the issues. So strap up and get ready for that. <laughs> With that, we can finally go through Harry Potter hegemony. Here we go. So we've talked about goblins. Oh, but did we want to talk about... Fuck, we talked about goblins. We didn't talk about all about the goblins. I forgot. Fuck. Oh, there's there's just so much to talk about with Harry... The the actual text of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Did we want to cover funny. the the Goblin Rebellion history real fast and shoot through that? Yeah, either that or start with just the neoliberal aspect of Harry Potter. Yeah, we can do that part. So, neoliberalism is kind of a tricky thing to define. It's one of those things that it's kind of hard to define because it's slippery nature of... The best way, I think, to describe neoliberalism is it is what I would call an Iago character. Uh, the what, Those little characters in, in the, the, the shows that kind of like waffle back and forth, or I guess the Indiana Jones might be better, that person in the Indiana Jones movie that's like, wait, I'm on your side. No, actually, I'm against you. You know, that waffles back and forth when the yeah. thing, uh, when the opportunity benefits them. That's neoliberalism. It's a dogmatic adherence to capitalist status quo. Mm-hmm. And you see that excessively in Harry Potter because mm-hmm. you know, they have, you know, there's the wizarding world with the wizard council or whatever they call it. I forget. It's some ministry weird. of magic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That. And then literally on the statues, they have elves, goblins, and I think one other race that are all literally looking up at the wizards. Mm-hmm. And all of these races are banned from wand carrying. It's infuriating because that is the status quo that J.K. Rowling has set up. It is an inherently racist status quo. And any deviation from that specific configuration is vehemently punished. And it doesn't matter if you are a dark wizard that is coded as basically fascist Hitler, or if you are like coded, like the goblins coded as Jews fighting for their freedom. If you are deviating from the plan, you know, it's, you know, like that scene in the dark Knight. uh, what's, what's, what's that line? Um, yeah. Don't quote the Joker. (laughs) Okay, I, w- I won't quote the Joker, but any deviation from that is what gets punished. It's not anything based in, you know, whether something is good or just. It is just absolute defense of the status quo, 
without any regard to whether it's right or if it's, or if it's wrong. And I think that is a good place for you to segue over into the Goblin Rebellions. <sighs> okay. So, Victoria found a video that covered it. So, you had a Goblin King. The Goblin King is the king because he is the best mechanic person. Or the best uh, craftsman. The best at what they do. Yeah. Uh, he created the Gryffindor Sword. However, he liked it so much that he immediately asked for it back. Gryffindor said no. Uh, he convinced... Well, there's a little bit more to that, because that's not quite right. So in Harry Potter, goblins have a different conceptualization of ownership than the wizards. You know, wizards have a very Western, neoliberal you know, view of that, and that is, you know, if you buy something, you own it. Well, goblins don't have that. They have, they basically view selling something to somebody as them renting it for life. So when that person dies, it reverts back, their ownership reverts back to the one who created it, because the one who created it inherently has the right to it. So I think, if I remember correctly, the core premise of that whole conflict with Godfrey Gryffindor is that after his death, that sword was going to go back to the goblins. And the whole thing... That's the that second brought... conflict? Yep, 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 exactly. The first conflict was the, the, the goblin being greedy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But you're not wrong. Because it... And it stinks, because it's an interesting concept of different morals conflicting with each other or different ideas conflicting with each other and how those are dealt with because there would there that would have been an interesting book to delve into that and explore that in a more what's the word um nuanced, nuanced yeah <laughs> Where, whereas jk rowling just goes okay like here's this possibly interesting thing all right, the goblins are obviously inferior. Squash it. They're subservient to the wizards now. Right. Okay. Like, you just removed any possibility of that going anywhere or exploring the interactions or anything that would, would have been interesting with that. Like, okay. Cause, yeah, because the whole thing is that the, the first conflict was because the the goblin was so greedy that he wanted his sword back as soon as he lent it. Which, by the logic, doesn't make any sense. You could have literally have just, to make it more nuanced and less freaking racist as you just wait till, you know, Gryffindor guy dies. Yeah. Conflict. Ta-da! You know, it's... And then you explore the nuance and the issues and... Here's the thing. A lot of good fantasy writers have a shit ton of books. There's a reason for that. <laughs> because it's like... because uh, And it's not so much a, oh, well, I finished the storyline. Because they'll finish storylines, but then they'll go like, huh, what happened here? I'm going to write a book that talks about this little part. You know? So it's like, they have like their main core stories, and then they'll have like all of these compendiums of like, oh, this is what happened with this, and oh, this is what this conflict looked like, and this is what how these people resolved their differences and shit like that. Um, and sometimes those are the best ones. Oddly enough, oh outside of the main stories. Oh god, I'm dealing with that with my first 
novel. I've, I've already got like six or seven different Anyway, that's beside uh, the point. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, there was that conflict, and according to the video we watched, but the video we watched was also kind of someone who does, who was not, does not see the issues or nuance that's happening here with the racism, um, stated that, you know, it's this caused one of the first slights because oh wait no 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 there was never mind god it's so convoluted um it's jk Rowling. of course it's going to be convoluted and messy right and just... so yeah, so anyway, there's that conflict ahead. um and it it planted this seed among goblin kind that was untrue that gryffindor guy stole the sword and beat up the 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 king which caused animosity and also caused animosity is uh it was very common for the goblins to make stuff and give it to the wizards quote unquote give and this is where uh victoria was talking about and they are supposed to give it back but they never would because issues you yeah. know it's like well no it's ours now and we're going to pass it on to our lineage the goblins did not forgive this so, and I quote, took over the banks. They took yeah, over the banks and created the, the money, the gold coins. They smelt the gold coins as a means to control and get back at the wizards. Oh, God. This is, oh, it's, just, it's so bad. Based off of what we were saying last time, this is literally... Literally, just just straight from the oh. literal anti-Semitic books of Protocols of Elders of Zion. <laughs> straight from it. It's not even like a nod to it. It is straight from it. It's not even couched or, or disguised or hidden. So, like, it's just there. Right. So like, the goblins are trying to get back at the wizards by controlling the banks. While looking like anti-Semitic caricatures. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. If it wasn't there in celluloid, I would say they, this was too racist to have ever actually been made. But it's there. It's, and it's just amazing to me that there are people who would sit there and say... Anyway, so yeah. Um, there's several other conflicts that happen after that. But like, in general... This is the consensus. I I forgot the intricacies because that was the big the big that's the big one that popped out of like I mean of course because of course it is because it's literally anti-Semitism. Um, I don't know if we covered the bank shit a whole lot. I'm gonna just blast through this because it's just like for fuck's sakes you should fucking know this. Um, that's mean. That's rude. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean you're right. Know this. It's right, but it's like it's not necessarily. It should be taught that this is bad, and this is... Because there's ways to teach this shit. Oh my god. So, the whole thing is... In a lot of ancient Christian ideologies, it is considered impure and unclean to handle money. That means that the predominant ideology faith did not want to deal with money or touch it. Editing Athena here. 
this is a basic understanding to where the trope came from. There is a long history of racism here, and if I recall, doesn't just affect Jewish people. So please see some of the resources in the show notes for a larger history here. As far as like lending and and stuff like that is concerned. Yeah, usury, usury was a uh, a sin. Right. Thank you. So. That meant that the job openings were there for people who did not have this issue. Jewish people. <laughs> so there were Jewish people who worked at banks. So it should That's also it. be noted, like, there, there were plenty of, like, Christians that did that shit, too. Right. But, but, but the Jewish people worked the banks the most, so ha ha ha. It. And it's like. That's it. They were the, they were tellers. That's it. Like the people who still owned the banks and shit were the freaking like higher ups, the r- literal ruling class and shit. So that that's where the bank shit comes from, you know? Like it's it's that constant thing of like we're going to force this oppressed class, ethnicity, etc into these roles. And then we're going to take that and we're going to use it against them and why they should continue to do these roles. Which leads us into another common trope that happens in Harry Potter, which is good one narratives. If you are unfamiliar, there is the concept of the good one, which is the idea that it's like, yeah, sure, everyone else of this race is shitty and horrible, but that person is good. That one right there, he he, she, they deserve their freedom. Because they're one of the good ones. They're Dobby. not like their fellows. Fucking Dobby. Dobby? One of the oh centaurs? Werewolves? Pick one. There's probably, there's probably a good one narrative there. Every single one of them. Because here's the thing. If you care, you see the magical races and think, oh, we're supposed to care about them. If you can, you can actually find forums where people talk about how, like, you know, why, why is, why does nothing happen for these races at the end of the Harry Potter book, which goes back to the neoliberalism and yeah, exactly. keeping to the status quo. Yeah, because it's like these. If you care, it's like this sucks. Why are these, pe- why are these people suffering? You know, well, like, like that's not cool. Hermione tried to free the house elves and got laughed at for it mm-hmm. by the author. Right. Hermione is constantly laughed at for her attempts at anything close to actual feminism. And it should be noted, this isn't a case of like, okay, some people in the book are laughing at Hermione, but Hermione triumphs over them. It's the book. It's the narrative laughing at her, mm-hmm. not just a few characters. And because here's the thing, um, Hermione tries to free, or she starts a group to free the house elves after Dobby, and Dobby also tries to free the house house elves. The house elves laugh at her and say they want to work, which is a whole whole bag in and of, of itself because that goes back to old racist tropes that they used during you know the antebellum days uh, or not not antebellum but prebell or whatever the, the right. slavery days in in America where they said you know 
black people were naturally subservient. Mm-hmm. It's like, they, uh, they, they needed white people. That's, that's, yeah. That was the narrative. Yeah. But on top of that, in the Fantastic Beasts movies, there was a house elf there that was depicted more in line with um, stereotypical black people features. Just in, just in case. Because that's the thing, is we've reached this point in Harry Potter where it's like, well, is JK racist? She wants you to know, yes, she is. She's intentionally, desperately trying to let you know that she is. Me that thinks she's trying to figure out how far she can go with it. Yeah. Which seems to be pretty damn fucking far. So yes, so we have the house elves. Because Dobby, Dobby earns his freedom for being a good house elf. He's a good one. He is, yep. Because he helped, he helped the master. Well, he oh. he turned on the bad ones, but then he like he helped, he helped the good one. So he is now a good one. It's, and if, if that sounds really basic and childish, yeah, welcome to bigotry. And just all of Harry Potter, Harry Potter, just be honest like it's just it's so neoliberal and Mm -hmm. really boring when you really think about it i think speaking as someone who's been there done that it's the it is so hard to find fantasy novels in small rural towns it's very hard so i there there has been people who have been viciously against harry potter not because of the problems, but because it was the popular thing, and because you always had people who just assholes about that shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, it makes some of the criticisms fall flat, because everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe you're reading that shit, that dribble. It's like, I'm literally in high school, like, or middle school, or younger. Like, you know, it, it is. I kind of can understand this criticism a little bit if you're an adult, but even then, it's okay to like childish things at times. But here's here's the issue. Here's the issue, and here's here's a hegemonic thing with Harry Potter. It, those fantasy books that are often recommended instead of Harry Potter, those were not at my library. You know what was at my library? Harry Potter. So. There's this narrative of, like, well, why not just read these other much better books? You have to know where to find them. You have to know how to read, for fuck's sakes. I actively tried my best to help my classmates find stuff that they were interested in. Because they just did not know. Because, um, well, eh, let's go into this tangent. Um, it's related. So, an issue with our educational systems, especially in rural, and by the way, when I say rural, I mean rural. My graduating class was 27. Oh, wow. 27, yeah, uh-huh. Every time. I love hearing people say, oh, I came from such a small school. I'll be like, how small was it? Oh, you know, 200. It's like, ha <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I knew every single person in my class by name and last name. I knew a lot of their parents. I knew their home life situations. I knew way too much shit about these people's lives. Um, Jesus Christ. Like, I I don't think people understand. It, it's the, 
it's why like sometimes I speak on an authority on some of like the 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 rural versus urban and shit like that because trust me, I know. And hell, my town was fucking big compared to some others. We had gas stations. They opened a Dollar General there a couple of years ago. That was some big news. 11 or 27 people. Now, someone else graduated with 11 people in their class. Who was that? Anyway, a lot of people graduated from my class that didn't know how to read. Or they had a reading comprehension of a fourth grader. And like, instead of helping them with that, teachers would make them read freaking Romeo and Juliet, which isn't that great, y'all. I'm sorry. If you know it's the fine. added context, it's okay. And like, there, there is some... You can't... If you want people to appreciate it, you can't just give it to them and be like, appreciate this art. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I'm just... Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna go full tangent here. Like... When you, if you want people to read, you don't stick them with boring shit they don't give a shit about. My wife's mom tried to make her, like, get into reading by giving her a mice and men. What the fuck? No one's got, like, you're not gonna get someone into reading of mice and men? Oh my god, that's like giving somebody, like, the scarlet letter. Like, here, here's reading. Reading is fun. Read the scarlet letter. Uh-huh. And then it's just a fucking paragraph. It's just describing a door. It's like, what? No? I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, and then like if someone has been failed by the educational system and they don't know how to read, making them read boring ass shit out loud, being embarrassed in front of everybody is certainly not a way to fucking do it. That is not going to happen. So Here's the thing, there, there's there been this narrative, and it's partially true that Harry Potter helped some people get into reading. Because, yeah, it was simple. Like, the, the fact that it's simple isn't the problem here. That's not the problem. The problem is that it's racist. <laughs> like, the, that it's racist and it's simplistic in a critical thinking way. You can be simple and be deep. Like, it's possible. We've seen that with some Dr. Seuss books, and not all of his shit was perfect either. Like, yeah. simplicity isn't a problem. Having complicated shit isn't necessarily a, a sign of something good. And, like, we're not going to be able to move forward with this, really, until we've kind of addressed this issue, this connection of illiteracy and lack of books. Like, Here's the, for me, like, I loved reading. I was one of those people that would read a freaking 200-page book in a day. I'm not now. Thanks, neurodivergency. But I was. Librarians knew me by name. Well, they, every, they knew everyone by name. Who the fuck am I kidding? I just said that there was only 27 people in my class. I was friends with them, I should say. I was familiar with every book, top to bottom, in that goddamn library. I would scour for new books in that library. The librarians would talk to me about what new books to get. <laughs> like, to get new books, I would have to have money, which I never did, and I would have to seek out a bookstore um, because it's like the closest bookstore at the time was an hour away in the mall that isn't open anymore. So that, oh, oh shit, so there's less options down there now. Fuck. Um, well, I guess you... 
have Amazon now and e-readers. Ugh, you're one of those people. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just... I have mixed feelings on e-readers because I can read them sometimes, sometimes I can't. But... So there was that one bookstore, but they didn't have a huge selection, especially not fantasy stuff, because they were catering to their red rural area. So then the the times that I like was like, whoa, options and got overwhelmed and didn't know what to pick and still didn't have any money. So I couldn't pick it anyway was when I we went to an actual by itself bookstore in Oklahoma City. No, it would have been Tulsa. And that was like the most fantasy books that I'd ever seen. Most of the time, the options for fantasy books were just young adult novels like Harry Potter. There were not any adult fantasy novels. Not really. Not that I'm aware of. And even if there were, I didn't know where to look for them. Because it was like, this was the section that I always got my books from. So this is where I look. You know? And this was me educating myself and trying to find stuff on my own, and I had an incentive to do it. So, and this this is where I get a little frustrated with some of the narratives with Harry Potter and its quality and stuff like that. And honestly, like, I haven't done a great job in separating um, criticizing and criticizing something based off of my personal taste and stuff like that. I'm gonna try and do better about that in the future. But partially, because, like, this is the reason why. And obviously it's okay to not like Harry Potter. But I don't like it when people go after the people who have read it. As, like, this bat of, like, oh, this is simplistic, blah. And it's like, blame the availability. Blame the hegemony here. Blame... The ruling class yeah. pushing what they believe to be an okay narrative. Hmm, why was this an okay narrative to pass? Hmm. Glad I read uh, freaking uh, Hunger Games and those books before the conservatives got onto them and they removed those from libraries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a and thing. You know what? Most, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and plug this. Most libraries, at least that I've been to, have a manga section. And while you do need to be very careful with the manga that you read, because a lot of it is you know, highly sexist and misogynistic, there are a few, like Gundam, which are anti-neoliberal, which do offer a hopeful view of the future that are excellently written and are basically everything that Harry Potter should have been and are... And it, they are everything that Harry Potter should have been, and Harry Potter isn't. The library had manga? Yeah. I had to... Did you not? I had to no! Oh. Hell no! I read manga, because, like, there's no way in hell my parents let me have manga. I read manga when, um, uh, I, when my nanny would leave me alone at the bookstore in the mall, and I would go to that little section and, and read for as much as I could and before I had to leave. Um, because to qualify, when I said library, I mean the school's library. Mm. My town did not have a library. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's more common than you think. I 
think Muskogee might... No, not Muskogee. McAllister. McAllister probably had a library. It was also about an hour away. The stick like Even yeah. Decula has a library. Like, folks, we need more libraries. That's that's what mm-hmm. I'm getting from this. We need more libraries. Yes, and libraries need to become more than just books. Yeah. But that's a, a different thing. But yeah, so it's... Trust me. Once again, I know rule. <laughs> I know rule. <laughs> Sometimes I forget how much I know rule until I talk to other people and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you got even me beat, and that's saying something. Yeah. Like, when you drive uh, 30 minutes to a Walmart. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, but anyway, so yeah. Um, also, uh, want to make it clear. I wasn't saying like you were saying that, Victoria, but it was reminding me of people, other people, who I've had um, the unfortunate of, not at the time, not being able to have the words to fight back against what they were saying, and now I'm arguing about them in the future, which is not useful. Um, yeah. So, anyway, werewolves and Harry Potter. J.K. Oh. Rowling... Go ahead. Go ahead. J.K. Rowling Go ahead. established that werewolves are a metaphor for HIV. However, later on in the final books... There's a werewolf who is talking about how he is going to turn an entire generation of children against their families by biting them and turning them into werewolves. Establishing I, I had forgotten the, about that part. The narrative that uh, of gay men preying upon children. Mm. Why? Why does Harry Potter just have to be an endless gold mine? Or- not gold mine, an English shit mine of just problematic tropes. Like, it's like, is there anything in Harry Potter that isn't a problematic trope at this point? Is there I one think. good nugget until until they fucked her up in the future stuff? Oh, to, oh, say that again. I didn't. I didn't hear you. I think Hermione until they fucked her up in the future stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, so she God, does end that, up working for the Ministry of Magic. That reminds me, Nymphadora Tonks. Yeah, I was, uh, ah. yeah. Speaking of, uh, because this, this will go it. into other, hmm? Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, do you want to cover it? No, 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 I'll, I'll let you. You're, you're okay. closer to the, to that specific issue than I am. <laughs> you're not, not wrong. God. So, her name is Nymphadora. Um, Nymphadora Tonks is a gender non-conforming character. Or was. Who falls in love with Lupin, the good one, the good werewolf. And by the end of it, when she and the good werewolf dies in the final battle. Uh, spoilers, I get. Why the fuck are you here? Um, <laughs> dies in the final battle. She is no longer gender nonconforming. She is now... She's basically barefoot and pregnant type shit, you know? But she's being valiant to fight with her husband, who uses her old dead name, basically. But it's okay now, because she grew out of it. When you are a quote-unquote tomboy, or anything that is not feminine, there is this narrative that it is okay as long as you grow out of it. 
I heard that my entire fucking life. You'll grow out of it one day. You'll grow out of it one day. You'll grow out of it one day. And this reinforces that shit. And it also reinforces to the thing that I talked about earlier about how these are the people who are erasing butch women and other non-conforming fems and trans masks, etc. Like, they're the ones that are doing this. And, like, it's so insidious. It happens to Bob's Burgers a lot, actually. Louise is very non-conforming in, in a lot of ways. And if you see art of her outside of Tumblr specifically, uh, bless Tumblr sometimes, she is always depicted as feminine, uh, growing out of it. It, it is a very, it is a just so reinforced, this trope. And I hate it <laughs> for obvious reasons. No, we don't grow out of it. Um, you make us hate ourselves. You make us feel wrong. You take away our confidence. You make us feel ugly. You make us feel disgusting. And that we will never be loved unless we conform. You make us feel awkward when we're sitting there asking for a shorter haircut. And you go, oh no, you don't want to do that. You look too pretty. You don't, you don't want a haircut. You don't want a haircut that short. Or you don't say it then, but you won't cut it as short as you want because oh, I was just too pretty. This shit. But yeah, so went on another side tangent. Sorry. I, I probably won't be drinking for the other ones. <laughs> Get a little bit more ranty. So yeah, um, did you want to add anything to that, Victoria? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, this leads to, uh, and to borrow from Jesse Gender's point, there is a constant, like, white feminism, gender-critical view of femininity in these books. Frilly pink is bad. Frilly pink is bad. Uh, what's the? F I don't uh, get that though. Why is that bad? If she's so, like, for it, my mind, it doesn't wrap around that part because okay, it's it's a little difficult. It doesn't make sense, but their logic it, it's it's a way to deal with the cognitive dissonance. It's a way to feel like you're a feminist. Because you don't believe in classical femininity. You're against that as long as you're a mother. As long as you have children. As long as you sacrifice yourself for your baby. As long as you're not gender non-conforming. Mm -hmm. well, but it's fine. It's fine to be gender non-conforming. You just gotta grow out of it when you get yourself a man. <laughs> ah, yes. The people standing up to lesbians everywhere. The people who want us to get with men. Just realize that my um, sexuality and gender journey might be in the um, margins of this podcast, which, uh, you've been on that journey with me. Sorry, it's been confusing, hasn't it? <laughs> but, uh, won't be going into specifics of that unless asked, and then even then, still probably not, so, uh, if you're confused, welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so traditional femininity is bad, um, because it, the only thing I can think of is because it's it, it it is that it is this idea of of well we're fighting the gender binary in the right well it's neoliberal we're fighting against the status quo just enough but not too much not not too much you can't have purple hair whoa purple short hair whoa now you're a screechy feminazi and once again to use Jesse gender 
videos, um, she points out how Hermione, you know, is often the one actually pushing some boundaries here. But she is depicted as being foolish and naive. Yep. Despite the fact that a lot of the things she says turns out to be correct. So she's kind of just living in this horrible hell of being a Cassandra of Troy, which sucks. Uh, which is meaning someone who says the truth and s says what's going to happen all the time and no one listens to them, if you're unfamiliar with that saying. So yeah, and, and then of course there's the whole thing of like martyrdom and victimhood. You know, being a woman means to sacrifice. Think of all of the, 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 the hero women of the story. They're always sacrificing themselves for their family. In some way. Even if not with their life, then with their time, with their energy. Editing Athena here. Uh, I just wanted to make an extra point that, uh, that it's not a bad thing to give yourself to your loved ones. But in this regard, it's, never, it's, not, it's not a choice. Here, it's a requirement of womanhood. And there's also, like, a lot of that boomer-esque, like, women have to take care of the family, and the guy is a bumbling idiot who doesn't really, like, he's he's there in his dad role, whatever the fuck that is, but, like, he's not really there, you know? God, this, get someone get this person. Anyway, so yeah. Oh, and to add to this, the school magically keeps boys out of the girls' dorm, but the girls can go to the boys' dorm. What? Yeah. I missed that um, part. What? Oh, there's that. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh huh. Um, to lead back to the idea of how, like, it's just the men that are predators. Men are predators. Even little boys. Every, everything with the penis is bad, and will come and attack you. But women are pure, which probably explains why. She suddenly has a lot of friends with known rapists who are women. Like, Jesus Christ. A lot of these, there are a lot of, like, higher gender critical people that have accusations of rape against them from other women. Well, she's friends with, with Posey Parker, of all, of all people, isn't she? The one that's... I don't remember their names. The, the one that was, uh... The... That went on on that talk show in UK in the in the UK and said, "Yo, oh yeah, 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 yeah. that that yeah, yeah, her, like, okay. how how do you fit so much bad into one one person in one series? How do you fit all that bad? It, it's it's mind boggling. So much trauma, cycle of hate and pain. Yep, and it." God, the mix, the weird mixture of sympathy and rage is just it's a very infuriating mix. So yeah, um, because yeah, th this whole because this is where like the gender binary causes issues too, because it's like it's, and this is, and this also leads to like because people will talk about how oh you say masculinity is toxic, not understanding that we're talking about a specific type of masculinity, yeah. and say how like but what about these things? Like, oh, well, women um, get children from the court easier than the fathers. Isn't, isn't that proof that, of feminism? And it's like, no, actually, because with feminism, it would tell you that both are capable, equal, equally capable of taking care of children. Um, we could go into the court talks, which maybe we will at some point, because that is a convoluted 
mess when you start looking at all of the different points that um the the dude bro alpha bro what is it the um the men influencer groups will use that for because they waffle back and forth all over they use it to make whatever points they want but the point is feminism will tell you that no actually that's not good you know the fact that there is an issue where you can go into a men's bathroom and there not be a changing table is fucking ridiculous that's feminism actually uh because it's toxic masculinity that implies that men are inferior in childcare and they are incapable of childcare and that they are predatory in childcare which is just fucking bonkers to me so no actually it's very anti-feminist to assume that men are incapable of taking care of their young. Yeah. So, in feminism, then, it'll tell you that, no, girls are capable of predicating or, um, okay. you know, doing harm. <laughs> like, that shouldn't be... It's such a weird thing to have to say, because it's like, of course, it's not going to look the same, probably. It can, but it's probably not going to look exactly the same. And it's because it's not going to look exactly the same that it often gets a pass. You have the things about how, like, you know, oh, well, a teenage boy can't be sexually assaulted by a female teacher, etc. All that shit. It's wrong. And that is enforced by the school magically keeping boys out. And then, of course, it rings the question that it's like, how does the school know what's a boy and what's a girl? What if you're neither? <laughs> okay, so to go off on a slight tangent here, like, seriously, what the fuck do they do with intersex kids at Hogwarts? They don't exist. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I mean, intersex doesn't exist to a lot of these people, sadly. Um, I didn't learn about intersex until I was in college and took a reprod class for animal science. <laughs> And then it was weird to me that it's like, people were like, I don't know what intersect is. I'm like, oh, shit, other people don't know that, right? Ooh, crap. Yeah, despite the fact that there's like, what, I think it's like 4% of the population. And potentially more. That, and most of them don't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so chromosomes are fishy little things that don't adhere to binaries. Um, what they're... Did Have I told mm-hmm. you this before? I'm XX. Yeah, you, you've told yeah. me. I don't know if you mentioned it on here, though. Probably not. Maybe, maybe on my podcast. Maybe? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, because there was, like, this thing where, as a fun thing for genetics, they would allow people to map their chromosomes. They had to stop doing it because people were having sexual... Or not sexuality. Um, identity crises. Identity crises. <laughs> Because, you know, and they've realized maybe that wouldn't be the best time to have an identity crisis. So, or, or maybe yeah. it is. I, I, you know, college is a great time for for that shit. Well, yeah, but I think it was like happening during like finals and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Right. Anyway, I'm gonna move on. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for the tension. I mean. Um, editing Athena here again, hopefully for the final time, just wanted to make sure that it was pointed out that indigenous people had technology. They had their own technology. And just wanted to make sure that was clear. It's hard for, like, this This just touches on so many things for both of us. Fatphobia. 
anything, and this isn't all of her writing, um, everything that's bad and evil is fat. It's, it, it's always described as bulbous and fat and grotesque. Fat phobia is complicated and not at the same time. Not going to get into it a whole lot here. So in a colonial manner, switching to a new topic, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go through this, so there's so many. Uh, Europe has many schools, while everywhere else only has one wizarding school. Yep. Oh god, I went through, I went through a couple of them. They're, they're bad. Like, they're, oh god, the, there's one in Uganda, mm-hmm. and it's bad. Like, they don't, like, the one in Uganda, like, mm-hmm. they don't use wands. Because they can't use wands, they. Um, but I, oh my god! Because but 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 we've already established that by the own lore that by the fact that they don't use wands, that means that they're not considered oh, humans even by the own society. So the school in Uganda, like their big thing oh, is sorry. most of the students there learn to be anime. Uh, an, uh, what's the word? Anim, animaguses. So yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's just touching on it okay yeah and I remember one thing that it's like it was asked about it's like Africa's really big why is there only one school and it was something to the fact that African people don't have as much magic as Europe people or some shit like that which is yeah. just fucking yeah. I actually the... don't go ahead. go ahead oh so there's the one in, there's the one in America and mm-hmm. so the one bone I have to pick about that is they use the Thunderbird Without mm-hmm. any of the cultural context, it is purely cultural appropriation. And I am not one that uses that word lightly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that, that I believe, was a criticism from indigenous people. I think, like, that's an issue with uh, all of the houses in the American one, is uh, they're all, they're, a- they're actually all have, like, that, that issue to some degree or the other. Yeah. So... There's that. Uh, a house that. animal for one of the ones in America is a sentient, like, species as well, which is kind of fucking weird. Did not know that one. Yeah. <sighs> okay, centaurs. Speaking of. Centaurs are a analogy for indigenous people. Of America, specifically. Their land is given to them by the Ministry of Magic in a way similar to reservations. They have... There's just a lot of tropes around them, which we can't... We could spend so much time on the centaurs. So first of all, they're half-horse people. You know, so it's... Okay, if you've ever seen Peter Pan... Peter Pan is a good representation of England's idea and racism towards indigenous people of America. The centaurs follow some of that shit, right? There's this thing that talks about how, like, they don't like technology. They prefer to be one with nature, and they're... It considers... It can... Even the writing considers their bows and arrows not technology, (laughs) Okay, what? Mm-hmm. All right, so look, the natives in America were not technologyless. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as the Europeans got here, like they started having guns. 
Like it. Oh God, that's. Uh, mm. Yeah, col- it, that that runs into the issue of colonialism and this idea of like, you know, and and leftists do this shit too. Looking at looking at you, some of you people, industrial revolution fuckers. There is this idea that basically there's this idea that there is a one correct way of doing things. This is colonialism. It's like our our way of doing things is the correct way. We are going to subjugate you because you don't know better, and we're going to force our ways onto you. Um, we're not going to trade. We're not going to barter. We're not going to discuss to you like you are a sentient person or anything like that. We are going to tell you because we're better than you, and we don't see you as human. And resistance is futile. Yes. That's the long and short of that. So another thing with centaurs is, um, I, I didn't look too much into this, but apparently there was a thing that to be considered sentient, they had to go argue that they were sentient. And of course they were like, no, we're not doing that. Um, and then there was this other thing where it was like, they're not also considered sentient because they said that they, they don't want to be labeled that way because they don't want them to have the same label as being as hags or vampires. What? Um, yeah, there's this, there's this entire thing of like, well, the centaurs are also bad because they themselves are racist because they view themselves superior to wizards. And they are natural born seers, which falls okay, so into she the... she was just going for a one-to-one here on, on the centaur. I, I didn't know much about the centaurs in Harry Potter. So this is yeah. all fascinating. Yeah, I, I read something at one point that the centaurs have a lot of, like, indigenous um, racism issues. And I I hadn't looked into it until... I actually looked this up t- today. It's, it's bad. So, in a lot of bigotry tropes, you know, there's this idea of, of like, oh, this creature is both lesser but also a threat or useful when they are. It, it, it helps with the cognitive dissonance in a way of making something both um, dangerous and inferior. I don't know how that should help with cognitive dissonance, because it makes my brain melt, but bigots. Dangerous and inferior. So what you're saying is they're simultaneously strong and weak, which is a hallmark of how fascists characterize the world. Yep. So... I I think it's a, a take to take the half-horse race and give them bows and arrows and make them... And, and use a lot of indigenous tropes on them. So, not all indigenous people had horses. And they certainly didn't have them back in the day. That was something that happened later with some groups. Because indigenous people are not a monolith! They are a very diverse group of people. I mean, there was like 500 different nations in North America alone. Uh-huh. No, of course they're not a monolith. Anyway, so, which is why it's very frustrating to also like, because it's weird because it's like, indigenous people are not a monolith. However, we have to talk about the stereotypes and the tropes in a monolithic way because of this weird monolithic view of the racism. So it makes it very difficult to talk about this stuff sometimes. But yeah, so with this with the searing, there's a lot of 
racist tropes with the I, I don't know the complete equivalent here. Um sorry y'all, I'm only human. I can't keep up with every racist everything on the fucking earth. Um because there's so many. Why why all this way? Why why all this way? Ugh, okay. So there's this thing of like indigenous people having magical powers, basically, inherent to them. It's used a lot for fuck's sakes cowboy bebop opens up with that fucking trope um so the fact that um yeah that that one was like whoa bless the guy's heart he there's a lot of good in cowboy bebop there's also a lot of bad and there's everything in between yeah but that's not what we're talking about so the idea that the centaurs are inherently seers because it's it's one of those things that any one of these things isn't a problem. It's when you mix them all together when it's suddenly like, oh, look at that, a stereotype. And, and hold on, I have it right here. Where, where'd it go? Yeah, here it is. Centaurs burned herbs such as mallow sweet and sage to refine their stargazing findings. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. That, that, this, is from, this is from the wiki. That's that's mixing a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So, some groups use... A lot of people... There's various people across the world who use different types of sage and stuff like that. Um, But... It has been particularly contributed to indigenous people. Some of them do use it. Um, by the way, if you do not have religious practices, do not burn sage. There is a big problem with that right now. Because of, uh, I want to talk about, you know, cultural appropriations and uh, the the intricacies, because there's actually a lot of intricacies in in this, and then you have capitalism, and it's a big mess. But but just know that because of the, like, New Age movement, which I think is the best way to describe the um, push for certain... Um, cultural appropriations to like the white mainstream and um, it not really connected to anything at all. Sage kind of happened that way as a cultural appropriation-y type thing. And because of it, it's it's making it very difficult for people to actually keep the sage that actually use it for their actual culture. <laughs> so... If you do not have a cultural or religious reason to burn sage, if you're doing it because you think it'll clear your karma or whatever, like, that you read off of whatever, don't, you know? And there's some, there's some intricacies here to be talked about, but in general, don't, you know? <laughs> and if you're, like, trying to find your way, you're trying to find your own belief systems and stuff like that, Maybe steer clear from Sage if it's not something you started with. As as cool, you know, helping out your fellow bros, you know? Because uh, capitalism fucked up Sage. That's the long and short of it. <laughs> capitalism <laughs> did some shit to Sage, y'all. Okay, so that that I think that's the long and short for the centaurs. Oh, no, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot something. Um, I, I read something I don't know specifically how accurate this is, but I did read something that in the story, the white 
or the, at least the lighter color centaur is the good one, and then the traitorous one is black. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, at least J.K. Rowling is consistent in her racism. Um, let's see. Whether or not the metaphor here is a good one is arguable. Centaurs, while much more intelligent than giants, also exhibit animalistic behavior and therefore may not be an effective way to represent a race of people. But either way, it is clear that there is embedded racism in the way J.K. Rowling describes the centaurs of the Forbidden Forest. Bane's character represents the wild, inherently violent side of the herd, where Ferenzi rescues Harry, aids Dumbledore, and fights alongside the Order in the Battle of Hogwarts. The black centaur is the villain in this story, just as the white centaur is the hero. Okay, that's a 10-pound sack of, of bullshit to, to unpack there. Uh-huh. That's that's white saviorism. That's oh shit! I forgot about the white saviorism. That's, Fuck. That's the savage, the, the 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 savage stereotype of Native Americans. There. Holy fuck! J.K. Rowling, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she is the perfect example. I will say she is textbook, and I hope in the future. We study her as an example of what white feminism is, because I will say she is textbook. Just fucking textbook. She's what passes as liberal or leftist in mainstream. You, uh, uh, yeah, I know. I try not to think uh, about that. Okay, uh, let's see. What else do I got? Covered that. Oh, um, also, the Wizarding World to kind of go with the neoliberalism is naturally conservative. I thought that was interesting because I remember there was a point when I in in my budding, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. I thought, why the hell do they still use brooms? And it is purely an aesthetic choice. Wait, they can use other things? In canon. Uh-huh. So back in the day when the evil muggles were hunting the witches and wizards, which it's kind of hard to believe that narrative once you kind of see how powerful wizards are. Like, uh, wizards can just, like, fucking kill? Like, because we're talking... We're talking before guns. The whole thing of... We're talking about like before guns, right? Yeah. Right. So, basically, wizards had guns before muggles did. So, like... Because... Their thing acts as a gun because, like, they literally have like killing curses in it, and it's like, oh, well, you're not supposed to use the killing curse. It's like, sure, but like that hasn't stopped a no, lot no, of people. No. No, no, <laughs> you no. know, you're not supposed to use the curses against other wizards. Remember, in the books, in the movie, they like the uh, what's his name, the one that was pretending to be uh, the dude with the eye, actively uses the curses. Victor, Crum no, not Victor Crumb. Uh, yeah, Mad Eye yeah. Moody. Um. He actively uses the curses on, like, creatures in class. In class. Well, yeah, but I thought that was supposed to be bad and show how bad yeah, that is. Yeah, but it wasn't illegal. Like, from, from a narrative. It was, it was fully allowed. It was legal. It may have been framed bad, but it was legal. Hmm. Well, I wasn't... I didn't think it was because it was le legal or illegal. I thought it was because... um it's established that using the curses fucks up your own soul. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually illegal to, to use them against wizards, too. I, I might be misremembering that, though. Well, no, of course it's illegal. But, like, I thought, like, there was that added incentive, because that's how um, you make the horcruxes, is by killing oh, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, like, 
Unless that's just like a, an extra like, god damn, trying to figure this shit out. Regardless, I mean, even if you don't can't use a killing curse, you can use any other method. You could use a goddamn dragon, because they would have dragons at their goddamn disposal, like, or any other magical creature that they have locked up, like a freaking circus, which is another thing that I yeah, forgot to put down. Because like, it. You know what sucks? The the Newt fellow that was his name, right? From the Fantas- Fantastic yeah, Beasts. Commander. Yeah. Which, like, he's, like, it sucks because he's kind of coded autistic, and, like, he kind of had, like, my dream job when I was, like, like, thinking about my um, place in the wizarding world and all that shit, you know? Because it was, like, you know, this idea of, like, you know, helping magical creatures and stuff, you know, helping them find their place in the real world, like the Lilo and Stitch cartoon type stuff, right? Like... I now realize that's not how that works, which is what sucks. Because it means, like, he's an outlier. Most of the time, it's like, from what we can tell, it's like most of the time the wizards, in their great kindness and capacity, which I, for the love of God, saw someone argue in a forum when I was looking some shit up, basically confines these magical creatures to little tiny areas to keep it hidden from the muggles. But... Why do you have to keep everything hidden from muggles? Because there's this idea of protection. It's like, oh, well, we're protecting the muggles and we're protecting the magical creatures from the muggles. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me you and your great authority that I cannot question are making these decisions for me. And the book doesn't question this narrative. The book never questions the narrative of being hidden all the time. It kind of does. That's not fair. But in a... Huh, should we keep ourselves hidden? Yeah, and then we move on. You know? Like, because it goes... It's one of those things where the question kind of gets asked a few times. But then it's kind of, like, demolished. Right? It's never really addressed. And we see that in the fact that everything goes back to the normal at the end. And then some. Which, also, it's amazing... That the Fantastic Beasts, like, it's like you had this premise that you set up, and then, like, completely get rid of it by the second shit. Like, I didn't watch the second one, because I had heard enough when it came out. But, like, then you go into this whole plot narrative of, like, now the bad wizard wants to stop World War II, and that's bad. Because reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like even Harry Potter fans felt that it was off. It's like, why? Why is this even called Fantastic Beasts? Like, seriously, like, okay, it's oh, for real. Like the entire series is called Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them? The only one that has anything to do with any of any beasts is the first movie. And then you have the Thunderbird stuff, which she probably didn't handle oh God, well. No. Um, no, 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 not not in the slightest. Uh, so, so, so um, yeah, so. Another thing about Fantastic Beasts that I forgot. Um, apparently, the snake that is eventually a Horcrux makes an appearance. Oh, yeah. And it's like a shapeshifter. And it's like an Indian mm-hmm. woman with another one of those goddamn names, which now we can address the names. Y'all, she's been racist. Like, you, maybe there was a point when it was like baby, like ignorant, I don't know any better racism, 
But like, there was at some point where she said, "Fuck it, I'm racist." There, there. But I'm I know better than to be out and proud about it. But then eventually, the mask the mask is there, off. There are two names. She doesn't care there anymore. Are two names that are, that really just cement home like her her racist naming conventions. She named a black guy Kingsley Shacklebolt, which mm-hmm. is problematic on his face for obvious reasons. Please don't let us have to explain to you why Shacklebolt is a problem for the only black character in the entire fucking yeah. series. And then main and series then Cho Chang, mm-hmm. which I don't know much about it, but that's missing. Oh, I have it here. Yeah, go go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, right. And then there was the only Jewish wizard that she created through a tweet called Anthony Goldstein. Oh. Now, where's the stuff about Cho I think, if I remember correctly, it's it's a Chinese and a Korean name. Korean. Which... Yeah, it's like, it, it's it's two different surnames from two different cultures. Which couldn't Isn't as bad as it could have been. She could have chosen Korean and Japanese. Like, I, I will give her at least that much, which is not a whole lot. But it is still extremely, um, what's the word, insensitive. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, then she turns to straight racism with the snake. Um, Which shows that she definitely thinks very poorly about that entire area of the... I mean, she she is a British neoliberal white feminist. That's like... Imagine someone from Victoria, England and the shit that they would say about those parts of the world. That's JK. You just it just might as well like take a time machine and just pull someone out of that era and you basically got her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see. So they also called the, the one Irish character Seamus Finnegan, which to quote this person is like calling an American character Huckleberry McRib. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God, that's funny. Yeah, I found a... There was this thing about a bunch of people talking about this. Yeah, a lot of people laughing through the pain. <laughs> I felt like there are... Okay, no, th- those are the main ones. So, yeah, like... Yeah, she... She, like... I honestly don't think she looked up Cho Chang. She was just like, Oh, I can come up with a Asian name. Yeah. Yeah. Like... That it like her name honestly sounds very familiar with some racist ass jokes that I heard growing yeah, up. I'm in not re- my little podunk. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat the the phrase, but it is one that is often repeated in in relation to Asian Americans. Uh, and Cho Chang sounds very 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 similar to it. You mentioned Slytherin at one point. Do you want to cover that? Uh, yeah, I guess we could unpack that whole fucking thing like his so slytherin is established as a house that is well let's just say they're very pure blood focused which is problematic on on its face and the school just it embraces it like she has a literal villain's house baked in the harry potter just so she can put her villains in it 
and does not explore the ramifications of, oh, hey, maybe this is a house we should have gotten rid of at some point because it promotes selfishness, greed, uh, and racism. Really? Yep. Um, it kind of, like, also deals with that neoliberal, even, like, to put it in American terms, soaking idea of how you need to reach across the aisle. You need to see it, see it their way, or you need to work with them and all that shit. I'm pretty sure the book kind of talks like that. But the thing that I find fascinating is the book itself and the movies kind of go against that because Slytherin is the ones that kind of go against everybody because of the whole pure blood shit. And so do they get rid of the house when everything goes back to normal? I don't think they oh. do. They don't. It's it stays there, reinforcing the neoliberal idea that it's like, yeah, we can't just get rid of fascists. And it's like, you here's the thing. You will never be able to get rid of fascists completely. But we can try. Because it's like right. Right. We can certainly make it a lot fucking harder for them to exist and to take root. And but be, because of that, it's like Fascists, in some way, shape, or form, will always exist. Um, this is where someone would be like, ah, because of human nature. It's like, no, actually, human nature is complex. And not a binary. Stop shoving your fucking binaries in everything that I do. You bore me, you fucking binary-thinking little dweebs. You bore me. You have done the cardinal sin of boring me, to quote a very problematic character from FF14. <laughs> Like, human nature is very complex. There, there are parts, the, the main parts of it is that we want to feel loved and to feel fulfilled. And then when we get, and fear and trauma fucks with that and makes us do some dumb shit. But we can do better than that. We can help each other and rise above that. But we can also be terrible little cretins that tear each other down to put our, to tear other people down to create steps to push ourselves up like both are possible in the same person human nature is complicated like everything in life everything in life is complicated like i i feel like this podcast is just like 90 percent of me like complaining about like aren't you bored aren't you bored with your little unexamined lives that aren't worth living don't you want more I do. Y'all get in the way of that. Why gotta be boring? Ugh. But yeah. So, well, fascists always exist. We can do a lot that has proven to make it harder for them to creep up. As I mentioned, there's actually some complications sometimes with, um, no tolerance the the paradox of tolerance because it's a it, it is a paradox if you're not careful you can become the oppressor it takes a lot longer but it, it's kind of like how you deal with it right yeah go after leaders go after ringleaders take away platforms 
make it to where there are some things that you can't just fucking spout. Like, a certain group of people is inherently bad. That's not chilling free speech. That's not chilling critical thinking. Because it of itself is fucking flawed to fucking back. And when I say inherent people, I don't mean an ideology. I mean a group of people that can't change something inherent about them. You cannot change being a black person living in a racist society. You can change being a bigoted asshole. You do not have to be a bigot. You can change that. That is what I mean by it is okay to say that the, that type of stuff does not fly. In that regard, actually, it's kind of simple. That's, that's the thing that gets me. is It's like, there are nuances and stuff, but it's just like, it's not that hard. It really isn't. Just come from a place of love and wanting everyone to do better? Yeah. It's really not that hard. And controlling. Stop trying to control people. For fuck's sake, stop it. I see you doing it. Stop it. <laughs> and that goes for the left. I see so many people going down some very bad paths because they feel the need to control. And it comes from some weird fucking places. Not even, like, from despair or anything, but just from this place of, like, I don't like the way you think because of your neurodivergency or that you're gay, for fuck's sakes. Which, going over phobia on the left, definitely need to do that at some point. Yeah. Because, oh boy. But anyway, I think that's it. Well, that's all that I have written down. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much more with the Harry Potter franchise that we could be here for days and still not cover it all. Like, her books are massive tomes, and it's just line after line after line after line of trite ropey racist stereotypes and that is all it is yeah you're not wrong Ugh. but anyway victoria do you have any plugins yes i'd like to plug, uh, plug my uh podcast uh tech believe where we go over science fiction and fantasy and how to write uh more accurate science fiction and fantasy okay and we are hedgepod that is h-e-g-e-p-o-d that would be where we how we would show up on any sort of social media i did not have time to um talk about strikes and labor news um i will get back on that course soon here especially since i have like the newsletter and stuff i can cover so i think that's it so thank you so much for getting this far and <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time bye <laughs> Bye. <laughs>